0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Um, I'm going to share with you guys this morning, how many of you were here back several weeks ago when I talked, uh, gave the message, who will you follow? Well, I, uh, I knew I was going to be speaking this week and next week, and I was thinking about going kind of back that direction. But, uh, but something kind of dawned on me, and I, I kind of felt led a little bit of a different direction. Uh, if you guys remember, when I was talking about who will you follow, I, I made mention of, of fear. And I made the comment that fear is sin. And out of that whole message, that was one point that I saw people looking at me going, like, what's wrong with him? Are you serious? And so I got to thinking, we need to talk about fear. My dad told me this morning that he, there was a survey done recently and they found that 71% of Americans in the survey said that they were in fear of the future and the direction of our country. We all deal with fear, don't we? In different ways, at different times, we all deal with it differently. And fear is very important. It's something that we've got to talk about uh, because it's so, uh, it's so common. It's, it's, um, it's part of the human nature, part of the fallen nature. Fear we automatically see fear in our children, don't we? Those moments where they're, I mean, you think about things your children are afraid of. We were talking about—we were talking to somebody about Madison the other day, about how she always feared, she feared water. She feared water from the time she was real little until, I don't know, earlier this year. No, I'm just kidding. But I, the fight to get her to take a bath, any of you that ever babysat her before, would know the fight to get her to take a ba- crazy. You just got to the point where she was going to be screaming before you put her in there, and you just had to do it, her screaming and flailing the whole time. She was also afraid of people in costume, which I kind of understand that. Chuck E. Cheese was like... <laughs> <laughs> and Santa Claus, she was always like, he sees me when I'm sleeping and knows when I'm awake. Weird. <laughs> but we deal with fear, right? And we all fear different things. I started making a list of things that we feared. For me, I fear, I've always had a fear of heights. Anybody here that can relate to that? I have worked for years to overcome my fear of heights, and I am so much better than I've ever been before. There's a picture of me, I tried finding it, because I've got a slew of pictures I'm going to show you guys this morning. But there was a picture I couldn't find of me when I was 11 or 12, standing on top of the tower in Hot Springs, on top of Hot Springs Mountain there, if you guys know where that is. And I am just terrified, standing by the door to the tower. I won't get near the edge, and because I was just so terrified, being up that high. Some people are afraid of flying. How many of you are afraid of airplanes? Quite a few. Now, how many of you that are afraid of airplanes have never flown before? <laughs> yeah, quite, quite a few. Yeah. Um, some folks are afraid of the dark. Yeah. Some folks are afraid of spiders. Isn't that right, Miss, Miss Brenda? Yeah. I posted a picture of our little friendly spider that lives outside our front porch a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, man, I could just feel Miss Brenda's emotion coming through Facebook. She was, like, cringing and trembling. Some people are afraid of dogs. That was almost my wife initially. Uh, Snakes. How many of you are afraid of germs? Anybody here germophobic type of... I can, I can lean that way a little bit. Some folks are afraid of driving. If you're like my wife, you're afraid of driving over bridges. She's good with driving until she has to cross a bridge. It's like, get over this bridge. And then she's good again. Some people are afraid of dentists. Or, or doctors. Or maybe it's just needles. I'll tell you what. Two different times, I took allergy shots for five years, two different times, so 10 years of allergy shots, and I still can't look. Man, every time I see that, man, they they had to pull a little mole off me, a dermatologist back several months ago. Next thing I knew, I was falling over. They're grabbing me. Are you okay? It didn't hurt. It didn't feel like anything. Some folks are afraid of water. Some folks are afraid of crowds and social situations. What about tight spaces? Anybody afraid of tight spaces? Have you ever been up in the St. Louis Arch and had to get in that little ball thing? You're sitting there as it's going up and clicking all the way up the side of that thing? and That, that can make anybody feel a little creepy. But getting down a little more personally, I started listing some things that I think that we all have dealt with from time to time. Like feeling foolish. Or many of us deal with Fear of intimacy or commitment. Fear of rejection. Fear of abandonment. Fear of being alone. What about fear of never being enough? Anybody ever dealt with that? Fear of failure. I was asking my wife, I I was trying to think, because I've worked so hard for years to try and overcome my fears. And I asked Shauna the other day, I said, "What, what would you say my fears are? And we sat and thought about it for a minute. And she said, I think you'd still deal some with fear of failure. And I was like, hmm. Very well could be. about fear of not being in control? That's what I said back to her. <laughs> <laughs> what about fear of death and dying? Anybody fear change? And then going even to Another level, sometimes people fear not being good enough for God. Some people fear the supernatural. They fear the demonic. They fear the devil. These are things that we deal with. We all deal with fears. We deal with them at different times in different ways and affects us all differently, doesn't it? So I actually don't have a whole lot of notes today, not nearly as long as usual, though I'll probably still go over, uh, though I'll try not to. Because I thought what I was going to do is talk a little bit more about my experience in fear. Because by the time I was a senior in high school, that's really when I started making a decision that I was going to serve the Lord of my life. I also started realizing how many fears I had inside of me. And I think that happens. When we start to really open up to the Lord, so many things begin to be exposed within us. And I began to see that there was a lot of fear in me. And my biggest fear was definitely fear of man. I remember in high school, in a senior year, taking British literature and having to do, a, 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 what do you call it? We had to recite from, um, from Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Man, I was so sick. I thought I was going to throw up for two or three days beforehand, man. It was terrible. How many of you are like that sometimes? Sometimes. You, something like that where you know you've got to stand in front of people, and you feel that you've got to do this, and you've got to do it just right, and it, and it just almost makes you physically ill. That's, that's, kind of the way, that's kind of the way I was. I was afraid of being in front of people, afraid of looking like a fool, afraid of rejection, desiring the approval of man. And I think that's very common to us, isn't it? And I think that I, I learned in many ways to, to hide that, especially as I started getting older. I learned to hide it and to put on a good face and try and hide that fear. But I still avoided the things I was afraid of as much as possible. I would find excuses. You ever been there? I had a couple of pictures from, from back in the day. Throw up that first one there, Matt. This was on a, a, a missions trip, my first missions trip with uh, Christ the Rock, number one. Thank you. Yeah. Back in the day. And that's actually, that's actually in Jamaica. And, uh, and then throw, show the next one as well. That's in Arizona. Actually, there's Amy Owens. I don't know if she's here this morning. Artiburn, sorry. Um, And Ricky Bennett down at the bottom as a little kid. And that's on the Indian Reservation in in Arizona. And you know, once again, sometimes we're able to put on a really great face. But there were still so many things I avoided. I avoided having to speak in front of people. I I was okay to talk to somebody one-on-one and pray with them. But I was so afraid of standing in front of people and what they would think of me and looking foolish in fear of rejection. But sometimes we can make it look like we have it all together, can't we? But there can be such deep-seated fears within us. After graduating from high school, I went off to uh, Christ for the Nations and uh, was there on my own for the first time, and I could even more clearly see the fears in my life. And I went through school there and and throw up that next one. I graduated from, from, uh, from Christ for the Nations on May the 7th, 1995. Yes. Show the next picture. And There's uh, me and Rick Bennett and John Lancaster. Some of you who know Rick remember his long hair uh, at, at graduation at CFNI. And so I graduate. I'm, I'm about to graduate from CFNI, but I, I needed a summer credit, and so I went to. Um, I, I'd been kind of serving in the in the youth department, and uh, and I applied to be an intern the summer of '95 to be an intern intern to fulfill my my summer credit for school, and. Um, and I ended up being approached by, by my friend Rob Brewer. Some of you have heard me talk about him before. He's a, he's a pastor at Gateway Church now under uh, Pastor Robert Morris. And uh, I had applied to be an intern, and he came, he came to me. Instead of calling me, he comes to me and he says, uh, I do want you to be an intern. He said, but I want you to come on staff. And Shauna had just been brought on staff. We weren't married yet. We knew each other. And um, he said, but I want you to come on staff. And uh, be, we were... We were two of six staff members that ran Youth for the Nations. Big summer camp, just like Youth America. And I uh, would have four or 5,000 teenagers in each summer. And he said, but I still want you to, to fulfill some of the roles of an, of, a, of an intern. He said, I want you to be a nation leader. Well, I knew what that meant. I knew that it meant that I would be responsible for about 75 young people each week, and that I would have to stand in front of them, and that I would have to lead them and I was absolutely terrified, and I tried to talk my way out of it. And he goes, you can do it. And I was like, really? I-, I can just be on staff, and-, and there's somebody else. And he said, you can do it. And he absolutely would not let me out of it. And so, uh, so go ahead and hit the next one. So I ended up on staff in the, in the youth department at Christ for the Nations. And um, dealing with all these fears. You know, in school, I never took homiletics because I was afraid of having to speak in front of people. I was afraid of having to preach a message. So I didn't take it. I was somehow able to get out of homiletics, the preaching class. So here I am on staff in the youth department, afraid to stand in front of people. The summer's coming up. And uh, anyway, the next, um, I actually hit the next slide as well. It's kind of hard to see there, but you can see that was my desk and Shauna's was right next to me to the right and one of the campus youth standing behind me there. But uh, and then hit the next slide. I don't know how many of you remember Chuck Warren there on the, on the left, and uh, he was here, uh, youth pastor here for a little while, and then uh, my friend Jer- Jason Williams on the right. But uh, the director of YFN came to me, and he said, hey, we got to do something different to mix this thing up during the services. He said, after worship, we're going to have announcements and some different things before we go into the message each night with all these teenagers. He said, I want you and Chuck and Jason, he goes, I want you all to work out something so that you come out at a random time and you play a prank on one of the staff members, and so we became known as the Hit Squad, and at this time, that's a guy named Alan Smith. He's a pastor of a church in Dallas now, and uh, he was up there giving some kind of announcement, and all of a sudden, they start playing the Peter Gunn theme, you know, like Peter Gunn, da, 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 da. and we come walking out, just interrupted, and, uh, and we throw a plastic bag over Alan so we can't move, and Chuck opens a briefcase, and there's a pie, and I pull it out, and we smash it right in his face. But you won't believe how hard that was for me to do because I had to walk out there and stand in front of 1,500 people to do that. Now, it's a little bit easier when you're acting because you're not having to be yourself. Does that make sense? You're not, you're not having to expose anything. But that was kind of the beginning. And then during one of those weeks that summer, we had a summer session that was about to start and our speaker was running late. And actually, it was the host who was supposed to be introducing the special speaker. And Sean and one of the other staff members said, you got to get out there. And I had to walk out there. And it just, I mean, I was just you know, just, just trembling because I was so consumed with fear. A few years later, Sean and I got married. Go ahead and show the next slide. And um, you can see, uh, for some reason, my wife thought that she and I ought to face the crowd. That was the worst idea I'd ever heard of in my life. She had some kind of idea that it was her day. I don't know. And... And you can see my dad standing on the floor down there. So we weren't just facing the crowd, but we were elevated, you know, like, oh. And let me tell you, I remember very little of that day. I was so terrified. Dad had to tell me a couple of times to look at Shauna, okay? And I I was so stone cold. I mean, I just, I was so, I I was not afraid of being married. I really wasn't. I wasn't afraid of her. Not afraid. I was not afraid of her. I was afraid of all those people out there. Go ahead and show the next go ahead and show the next one there, Matt. Look at that. A little while ago. Let me tell you, that smile was so frozen, I was like made of plastic. I was like go ahead and hit the last one there real quick. The next one. Yeah. I, I could not move my face for like a few days. All right, you can get that off the screen. A few years later, I really began to realize how much fear controlled me because I I began to realize that there was things that I would do and not do that were completely based on my fears. Do you know I was so vain, even about the way I looked, that I wouldn't even wear a ball cap because I was afraid to mess my hair up. What if i got to take it off? Oh, gosh. Hat hair. I can't possibly have that. So I never wore ball caps. Never. Was consumed of fear. Sean and I moved to Illinois, and we took our first youth pastor in a, in a church up there near a couple hours south of Chicago. And uh, let me tell you, that job, I accepted it quickly because I was afraid I would back out. It came, became one of my uh, coping mechanisms, was when I was asked to do something I felt like I was supposed to do, I would just real quickly accept <laughs> so that I couldn't back out of it, because I believed in being a person of your word, right? And so we took this, took this job and moved up there. And um, after a couple of years um, it was actually, when fear, I was really confronted with fear, finally, um, we were at uh, the Rock Church in Danville, Illinois, and um, a guy who became our friend, uh, some of you who have been here for a long time remember, uh, remember Jim Stern, and uh, Jim Stern's a couple years younger than me, he, um, he was worship leader in his dad's church in Danville, and he went on to marry Kent Henry's daughter, Jessica, if any of you know who Kent Henry is, uh, the worship leader, and um, Anyway, uh, Jim was doing a recording that night, and we were there for that, doing his first worship recording, and, uh, and I remember looking up there, and I, it just kind of rekindled the desire in me, and I thought, man, I have always wanted to lead people in worship. And my next thought was, but I could never do that. And I don't remember anything else from that night, except that God really began dealing with me and going, why would you say you can't do that? I had a hard time, hard enough time standing in front of the 30 or 40 teenagers we had. And it was that night that everything began to change. And I began studying fear, but, but that very night I actually began to write a list. While we were there at the Rock Church in Danville, Illinois, I began writing a list of my fears and questioning why does this control me? And I made quite a list. And I got home and I studied fear. And I looked at this list of fears that I've written. And I began repenting of them. I began repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry for being so full of this fear and this fear and this fear and not trusting you. And I began to renounce them, renounce each one of those fears off my life. And I began to make a plan to face them and to be rid of them. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I would look at something, and if it made me cringe in fear, I'd go do it. Because I was determined that it was not going to change what I was going to do. And so you've got in your notes, if you look in your notes there, uh, Revelation 21.8. Now this scripture is one that really got me. In the King James Version it says, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the, and idolaters, all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. <laughs> this is talking about people who are going to hell. I'm sitting here reading the scripture and going, people who are going to hell. I'm going, how are fearful people thrown in with murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters? Now, <laughs> I'll come back to this in a minute. I don't believe that just because you have fear in your life, you're going to hell. I don't believe that at all, okay? We're all struggling and working out different fears and different things. This is talking about unbelievers because fear is the opposite of faith. And without faith, we cannot Please God, right? Okay. So, I do want to say, though, real quick, and I, I just thought of this this morning, I jotted a quick note down, I don't believe necessarily that every aspect of fear is necessarily a sin. And I've got to throw this out there real quick because, you know, the Bible tells us over and over again, do not fear, only believe, but then it says fear God, Right? So there's different aspects to fear. And I believe a, there is there, a, we could talk about this all day, but there's a fear that is related to, um, to wisdom and concern and understanding the magnitude of something. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of the schools, at least I remember when I was in school, when it came around prom time, they would park a big trashed totaled car out front to remind everybody not to drink and drive. Now, I don't know that it just instilled fear in anybody, but it made you stop and go, okay, I'm driving a several thousand pound metal machine down the road at 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. This could be very dangerous. I've got to be careful. So it's understanding the magnitude. And it's the same thing because the Bible tells us over and over again to fear God. And and we we can talk about that for weeks because, you know, I look at the fear of God and one of the ways I look at the fear of God is, you know, we, we come to Him boldly as our Father, who's adopted us in and called us His very own and made us heirs to His inheritance and His promises, at the same time, I don't believe we should just flippantly run into His presence because we've got to stop and remember that He is the Creator of all that is seen and unseen. He spoke all of creation with the words of His mouth. He is holy. He is just. He is righteous. Which is why even the angels cover their faces and cry, holy, holy, holy. That's the fear where we stop and we don't allow ourselves to forget the magnitude of who God is. Make sense? Okay, moving on, because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. That's not the fear I'm talking about today. I'm talking about fear that consumes us and controls us. So what is fear? This is in your notes. Fear to be is, a, is to be afraid of something or someone, to expect or worry about something bad or unpleasant, to be afraid and worried. Now, to help you with this, I, I, I actually got more out of it when I went to the thesaurus and looked up synonyms. Synonyms um, of fear, anxiety, despair, doubt, dread, horror, panic, suspicion, terror, unease, worry, cowardice, discomposure, distress, faint-heartedness, foreboding, fright, misgiving, phobia, revulsion, timidity, trembling, trepidation, cold feet. Does that sound like anything that God gives us? We know that in 2 Timothy 1.7 that it's not God that has given us a spirit of fear, Right? A power, love, and a sound mind. So, let's look at the antonyms of fear. Assurance, calm, cheer, confidence, contentment, ease, encouragement, faith, happiness, joy, trust, calm, comfort, love, bravery, courage, fearless, heroism. That sounds like our God, doesn't it? If you would turn your Bibles, and it's in your notes there as well, uh, to Matthew 14, starting in verse 25. And this is about when Jesus walks on water. Y'all are very familiar with this this, uh, passage. But let me tell you, let me kind of set it up for a second. You realize just moments before this, Jesus had just fed the 5,000, right? Now, that was a miracle that had never been done before. I mean, we'd seen food fall from heaven, but we'd never seen food multiplied. So you can imagine that was a pretty good day for the disciples, wouldn't you say? It was a pretty good day. They were talking about that for a long time. They told their children and their grandchildren about that day. They wrote it down, and we're reading about it a couple thousand years later. And so when all that was done, Jesus went ahead to pray on his own, and he sent the disciples on ahead of him in a boat, right? And then in verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw... Him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, "It is a ghost." And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Be of good cheer, it is I. do not be afraid." But Peter said to him, Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water." So he said, "Come." And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I want to kind of break this down for just a minute. And I'm just trying to make the point that fear can have a tremendous effect on us. True? I heard a message recently uh, by Pastor uh, Lane over at Church of the Highlands and, uh, and he made, a, couple of, made a, a point that I wanted to share with you guys, uh, a couple of points here. So, and if you can follow along in your notes, number one, fear affects our bodies. How many of you have ever been so fearful that truly your body reacted? How many of you have ever gotten physically ill simply because of fear? I think most of us have probably been there before. They say that in response to fear, we, you've got a couple different responses. Actually, they say fight or flight, right? fight or flight, and you get, that, you get that adrenaline rush, your heart begins to race, anxiety hits, and you become, having you get super strength, right? Those moments when you see where a, where a mother will lift a car off of, her, off of her child in a moment where that hits, that rush of adrenaline and fear for her child's life, what happens in that moment. And so they say there's fight or flight. Now, I don't know, how, how many of you in... A moment of fear response more with more of a fight. How many of that's you? Yeah? How many of you respond more with flight? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember uh, going through uh, discipleship back in the day in, in youth group, and, and we had to fulfill a, uh, we had to do some sort of evangelism. And so several of us guys decided to go door to door. I don't think I ever spoke to anybody. But we went door to door uh, to tell people about Jesus and to pray with them. And uh, we were actually right over at, at Rawson uh, Shelby, right by our old church building, but this was years before Church of the Harvest. And um, anyway, I got there late, and a couple of my friends um, just they had told me what street they would be on, so I just went walking trying to find them. And it's, it's 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and it's dark, and I'm walking down the street, and, um, and I see them up there, and so I thought, well, I'm going to scare them. So I come up slowly, and I'm staying in the shadows, and I'm coming up, coming up behind them in the dark, right? And after a couple minutes, I catch up to them. And I get up, to one of the guys, and I'm about to grab him and, and try and scare him. Because as far as I knew, they didn't know I was there. And right before I grabbed him, he turned around, and he almost put his fist into my face. And I was like, whoa, stop, 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 it's me. Because he had heard something. He knew somebody was coming up on him quietly from behind. And that was his response in that moment, right? And then we had about two weeks ago where me and Shauna and Aaron were camping at Waldoxie. And Shauna actually was walking our dog Uno, our black lab, walking her down the trail. Y'all you know the trail that goes around the lake out there. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, Shauna is dancing and running backwards. And we saw—actually, I have a picture. Yes, yeah, put that up, number eleven. She had just come upon a three-foot-plus snake. This was a big old snake, and it didn't move. It wasn't at all intimidated. Uh, Shauna and Uno had walked right up on it, and uh, and she went running back. And of course, me and Aaron went forward, <laughs> and and we're looking at the we're looking at the snake, and, and it was not interested in us at all. I finally got a stick and touched it, and it scurried off. But uh, but we respond with fight or flight. We had a moment when we were in Brazil. Uh, Wendy was there and Mike. We were in Brazil a number of years ago. We were in this little town on the Amazon River, and. Uh, and they had, they had several streetlights and different things, but it was during the World Cup. And so they were just celebrating, you know, soccer's a big deal in Brazil. And, uh, and all of a sudden, in a moment, I, I was actually walking two of the girls, Wendy and one of the other girls, back to our boat down on the river and uh, through this town. All of a sudden, the lights went out. All the power went out to the whole town. And I was walking them back because you got to be careful in a foreign town, you know. And, all, and I just, one of those moments where everything changed. I couldn't see what was around me. I'm in a... I'm in a a foreign village. All I can hear now is the sound of the jungle. All the music was gone. And I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. We respond with fight or flight. Um, And it's actually been proven that fear can worsen any sickness or disease. And, you know, that's why, you know, I believe it's... Well, I'll get to that. Let's, Let's move on. Number two, fear consumes our thoughts. We saw in that scripture that they believed that Jesus was a ghost. They immediately, that's where their mind immediately went. It's a ghost, right? What they saw triggered something in their minds. Now, we all do that sometimes. Now, we may be, some of us may be older and not afraid of the dark, but when you're home alone and you hear something you shouldn't in your house, All of a sudden, all these pictures start going through your mind. Well, it could be this, or it could be this, or it could be this, or it could be this. And then you hear another sound that's not quite right. And all of a sudden, your pictures in your mind get a little darker. And you're beginning to get up and quietly walk around, right? Because our minds will run away with us in a moment of fear. And then you get to the living room and you realize the wind's blowing and a limb is scratching a window. Okay, whatever, right? It's not the guy you pictured with the knife trying to cut the screen. It's the tree branch scratching the screen right? Fear consumes our thoughts. Our minds can tend to run away with themselves. And you know, it's the same way. You ever felt something that wasn't normal in your body and fear hit you? I remember years ago playing at the house. I think Sean and I were married then. I picked up Joshua or something and pulled my back real bad. And anyway, you know, a couple months later, I was good. My back was fine, but uh, I was, we were in Dallas and I got I was at work and I started getting this real bad chest pain, and fear hit me. I ran to a minor emergency clinic, went in, said, "I'm having chest pains." I mean, it was just—I oh, mean, it was just curling me over. It was so bad, and they rushed me back and did all these tests, and it turned out it was a muscle spasm in 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 combination with the injury to my shoulder. But man, I was sitting there thinking, "Well, I know my dad deals with high blood pressure and all these things, and and my grandfather deals with heart issues, and you know, my gosh." the way our minds can run away with themselves when we open up to fear. When fear consumes us, nothing else is reality. And, it, and it, what we find in those moments when fear is consuming us, nobody can even speak sense to our situation. Number three, last thing, fear derails our destiny. Jesus speaks back to Peter and says, I'm not a ghost, it's me. Peter says, let me come. Peter, Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. He began to experience a miracle. But then he saw the waves. And he was afraid. Fear jumps back in, and he begins to sink, right? He cries out, and Jesus says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He is equating fear with doubting. Why are you fearing? Why are you doubting? Fear derailed Peter from continuing in a miracle and an incredible experience that he was having with Jesus. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to come in and he wants to derail our destiny and keep us from experiencing the miraculous life, the blessed life that God wants us to live. And fear is his greatest tool. Real quick in your notes, um, Numbers 13 Y'all know this story too. It's about uh, the children of Israel. The spies had just gone in and they're spying out the promised land. Joshua and Caleb and the spies come back and in verse 30 it says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which had been spied out, saying, The Lord through which... I'm sorry, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom uh, we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descends of Anak. Of course, the giants, uh, Goliath is one of their descendants. And we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So, and we're going to jump on to chapter 14, verse 1. And here, you remember when I was talking about who will you follow, about how we rub off on each other. Well, fear is contagious because we see in chapter 14, verse 1, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and they wept that night because they took the word of fear over the word of faith. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And in verse 27, how, and this is God speaking, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me and say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number From 20 years old and above. God said, You wish you could die in the wilderness? So be it. And they never, those who were 20 years and above, didn't get to see the promise because instead they feared. This is in your notes. Fear is the result of a lack of faith, not believing God's power, His love, and His willingness to act on our behalf. We fear because we lack faith. Remember when Jesus was stepping... uh, Actually, you remember the story where Jesus was sleeping on the boat and the Bible says a a windstorm picked up and the disciples began to freak out? How many of you can admit that storms kind of rattle you a little bit? I've I've never been afraid of storms. It's, It's never... It's never bothered me. We, we actually get kind of excited during big thunderstorms and the power goes out. Our kids are getting flashlights and they all jump to bed with us. We're like, Aah. I love sleeping and hearing thunder in, in, you know, in the background. However, how many of you have ever been on a flight during a storm? Woo. Several weeks ago, I was on a flight for work to Denver and I have been on a lot of flights and I've been through quite a few storms but none compared to this. It's, it got me to stop, I mean, just trying to uh, tighten the seatbelt to stay in place. I'd never seen a plane shake so hard, and it got to, I need to talk to a pilot. Somebody was telling me that, that during certain storms they have to do this, but he actually two different times cut the engines. The plane went silent, and all of a sudden we'd start falling, 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 and then they'd kick back in, and we'd take off again. And, and I mean, the luggage is just slamming up and, top, uh, up and down in the top, and I had just never experienced anything quite like that. I was, I was talking to Aunt Barbara the other day. You know, I don't think that I'm really afraid of death, but um, I don't love the idea of pain. <laughs> I think it'd be more the way I die, <laughs> you know? And even Jesus, I don't think, cared for the way he was going to die. I mean, he sweat great drops of blood, right? <laughs> but, uh, but in that moment, so Jesus is sleeping in the boat, the wind starts, they wake Jesus up, and in, in Mark 4, verse 40, he said to them, "'Why are you so fearful?' how is it that you have no faith? Jesus' immediate response to their fear was to question their faith. And that's a hard word because that's talking about something, that's just talking about something like a storm. Fear is a very human reaction. And as Jesus indicates, how we respond depends on our degree of faith. When weak is When fear is weak or non-existent, fear becomes the controlling factor rather than faith. We know Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him, right? For you who comes to God must know that He is. Impossible to please Him. Well, why? Because first and foremost, if we're going to do that whole thing where you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that's faith, right? It's the opposite of fear. We see that doubt causes fear, but from the story of Jesus leaving the boat we also, I'm sorry, of Jesus walking on the water, we also get an idea of how to deal with it. We see that as long as Peter kept his focus on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible, right? But the moment that he looked through his physical eyes and saw the circumstances, he begins to sink. He was no longer able to do the impossible. Even though fear is a natural reaction, we've got to determine whether we control fear or it controls us. Fear, when not controlled, gives evidence that a person does not believe that God is telling the truth. When we give in to fear, we don't believe that God can be trusted with our best interest. That whole thing we talked about a few weeks ago, when Jesus was about to send to heaven, the disciples said, hang on, how, how are we going to know other people are really your followers out there? And he said, you will know them by their fruit, right? Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of God. People should know us by those antonyms that I read rather than those synonyms that I read. We've got to be people of faith and boldness. You know what happens when you fear something? Job tells us, Job 3.25, for that thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. Isn't it true? How many times have we had something we feared happen? It comes upon us. Fear opens the door to the things that we fear. That's in your notes. Fear opens the door to the things that we fear in our life. And like I said, fear is really the main tool that the enemy uses against us. If he can bring fear to us and we accept that, then we're powerless against him. Because we're not standing in faith. True? I believe that fear often opens the door up for sickness in people's lives. It produces worry. I wonder how many people are in the hospital They greatly feared sickness and disease. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to catch the flu. You ever see somebody, hear somebody say that? Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to get cancer. My grandfather died of it. My dad died of it. My brother died of it. I'm afraid I'm going to have an accident. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. The Bible says, fear not, only believe. You can't be full of fear and faith at the same time because they're opposites. You cannot be led by fear and faith at the same time. And this is how I came to the realization that fear in my life was sinful. And that's why I became so determined to rid myself of it because I realized that it was going to derail my destiny and keep me from doing what God wanted me to do. You don't know what a miracle it is for me to stand up on a stage. Lead music, my lands. It's a, it truly is a miracle, because I was just as afraid as some of you. We all have fears and different things we're dealing with, but we've got to, we've got to confront them. We will never be close to God and we will never fulfill His plan for our life as long as we allow fear to control us. We will not be overcomers. We will not be more than conquerors as long as we let fear control us. We won't walk in God's promises until we deal with fear. We will be limited in our walk with God until we confront fear. I guess what I'm saying is that fear will kind of be the lid. We sang this morning, take me deeper. But fear for some of us is that lid. Fear is what's stopping us from going further with God. Because we can't begin to do the things that He's called us to do because of the unconfronted fears in our lives. Y'all getting this? Many Christians want a financial breakthrough. So, but they're so full of stress and anxiety and fear of where the next paycheck's going to come from, how they're going to get food on the table, that they can't get anywhere with it. Where we've got to stop and sit back and relax and do what God says and trust Him and allow Him to do the miracle. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do we really believe that God wants the best for us? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do we really believe that? Psalm 34, 4 through 6 in the New Living. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, freeing me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I cried out to the Lord in my suffering, and He heard me. He set me free from all my fears. What a promise. In Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence, my help, from whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made, the heaven, made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What a promise. Here's the key the more we believe that, the less fear there will be in our life of anything. Our fears are an indication of our doubt. And like I say, (laughs) none of us have begun to arrive yet. But I'm talking about facing your fears head on and saying this will not control me. If we truly believed, now let's put it this way, if we could physically see God in all His glory standing next to us, we wouldn't fear a tornado coming down the road toward our house. There would be nothing we would fear if we could physically see the creator of the universe. Well, we can't physically see him, but he's still there, right? So it comes down to faith. Do we really believe it? Some of the things that some of you are facing are very real and very scary. And I completely get that. I'm not belittling that in any way. I'm simply saying that God can be trusted. We can trust that His word is true, and fear does not have to have a grip on you. There was i have told this story before, but I—I uh, I led several trips to Jamaica for Christ for the Nations after I had graduated. I took—I took our youth group one year, but one year I took—I uh, went for Christ for the Nations. They it was just—they paid my expenses. And uh, you think of Jamaica, Jamaica's, you know, you got the resorts all on the beach area, uh, but you get off that main road there, and it's a, it's a third world country, and it can be kind of rough sometimes. And I took these five youth groups, we went up this uh, mountain, and we went up there, and, and it was a powerful night. We stood up there under this street light up on top of this hill, there's one light, it's all you could see, little shacks everywhere up, up in the jungle, and this big crowd had drawn, and I preached, and all these people received Jesus and I sent all these teenagers out and told them to go, you know, uh, minister to the people and I stayed where I was so that I keep an eye on everybody. And um, this car pulls up and blocked my view of a few of them for a minute. Now, I told all these teenagers, be in at least groups of three. Don't go off by yourself and don't get out of the light because like I said, there was one big light overhead. I said, don't get out of the light, stay right here. Now, there's a lot of people standing in the shadows. This car pulls up and all of a sudden I couldn't see for a minute and after... After about a minute of that, a kid comes running around the corner and says, somebody's got a knife. And I went around the corner and what had happened was this crazy 14-year-old boy had gone off on his own and decided to go talk to these five Rastafarian guys by himself. They were standing over in the shadows. And, uh, and when I was approaching, uh, the guy had taken the cap off the kid's head and was wearing it and had a knife held to him. Now, This was around the time that I had first started studying fear and and studying who I was. And let me tell you, in that moment, it wasn't me. I don't know that I could have done it on my own. I walked straight up. I didn't skip a beat. I walked straight up, and I threw my hand right between the two of them. I grabbed that kid and pulled them behind me, and that guy's face was right in front of mine. And he took a step back. And kind of pulled the knife behind him and I talked to him for just a moment and everything dissolved just like that. But I thought, it just I was studying fear at the time, and I just thought, Lord, how in the world is I able to do that? Because it was afterwards that I was terrified, you know, (sighs) because nobody could see us over there. Anything could have happened. But I realized the more we seek the Lord, the less we fear, and we become more and more led by the Spirit. I've got to close. Here's your. I'm going to continue. Next week, I've, I've, I've already got it laid out what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to get down real practical and, and, and talk about some real practical things, but I, I want to kind of give you an assignment for this week. First thing I want you to do is I want you this week to maybe even today, maybe even during service now, I want you to begin to list your fears. Name them. Now, there's probably a few of you out there that that don't like that. Oh, that's like a confession. It's not my fear. It's the devil's fear. It's not. Okay, look. I'm not saying you're claiming it as a... I'm saying put a name to that thing that you've allowed to control you for too long. Put a name to it. Fear of this. Fear of that. Fear of that. Fear of that. And put it down. Which Sean and I were talking about that because I was asking her, I said, what do you think your fears are? And she was like, you know, she said, I was always kind of afraid to name my fears because I was afraid I was kind of admitting them or claiming them if I did but there's nothing wrong with it. If we're going to confront them, we've got to know what they are, right? So I encourage you to begin to name the fears that you've allowed to control you for too long. Write them down. And then begin to take those steps. First and foremost, to repent of them. Because those things where we've allowed fear to control us has meant that we were not trusting God. In essence, we were saying that God wasn't enough. So we've got to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. And then I encourage you to renounce them every day. Name them. I will no longer be afraid of man. I will no longer fear commitment intimacy in Jesus' name. I command rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of being alone, fear of being out of control, fear of failure to go from my life in Jesus' name. And maybe you like me. Fear of heights. Fear whatever it may be. I command it to go In Jesus' name, I will no longer allow fear to grip me. I will no longer allow panic to set in because I trust who God says that he is. I trust his word, and I trust who he says that he is. And you know what? You'll begin finding yourself free. we got to get into God's word because faith is the opposite of fear. Where does faith come from? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Right? The more we get into the Word and do what God says, fear is going to subside. How many of you would say that there's some fears in your life that need to subside? <laughs> Six of us. Okay. Maybe it's for me. I don't know. Let's bow our heads. First and foremost, it's all pointless to try and overcome fear if we don't know our Creator. If we don't know the source of our faith. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then this is your moment. That's your first step in overcoming the fears in your life. It's hard to believe that God has our best interest in mind and He's there for us if we're not willing to put our faith in Him. So I'm going to pray with you real quickly. If you're here and you've never received Jesus, or maybe you realize that He is, he is in no way in control of your life right now. You know that you're doing things on your own and that you haven't given him the reins. All you've got to do is say this prayer. Or you may have, as a small child, prayed a prayer to receive Jesus, but you realize now that, you know what? I have never really lived for him. I didn't realize it was giving him my trust, giving him my life. And this is your moment. If that's you, and you would say, with every head bowed, if you would say, it's time for me to put my trust in Jesus. It's time for me to put my faith in Him. It's time for me to, time for me to give Him my life. I want to put my trust in Jesus today. If that's you, let me see you raise your hand. Yeah, who else? Amen. That's two. Anybody else? Three. Anybody else that says, I need to get my life right with the Lord today? Four. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me. The Bible says all you've got to do is believe this in your heart. And as you confess it with your mouth, you become a new creation. Do we believe it? And let's pray together. Every head bowed. Dear God, dear God, I recognize I haven't lived my life for you. I've been selfish. I've tried to go it alone, and I repent. I want to change my ways. I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus came, and he died in my place, and he rose from the dead. And I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him this day. Lord, take the wheel of my heart. Take control from this day forward. I will live for you every day of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to do all that you've called me to do. I love you. Give you honor and praise from this day forward. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer today. I pray, Lord, they won't keep it to themselves, but they'll tell others, that they'll find others around them who can help lead them in the right direction. And Lord, their trust would be in you and their ears would be open to hear and to receive and that you would speak to them. God, I pray for all of us as we struggle with different fears in our lives that we're kind of working out and stretching and dealing with. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to face our fears, but we would face them head on in Jesus' name that we would declare that fear will not grip us one more day in Jesus' name. Fear will not derail our destiny in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare that we are going to be full of faith because you are a big God and you love us. You do have our best interest in mind. And Lord, we know that we can trust you. And Lord, as we get in your word, as we work on trusting you, even as the man cried out in the Bible, Lord, help us with our doubt. Help us in those moments of weakness. Bring your word back to our remembrance that we would never fear and never doubt who you are. That we could laugh even in the face of death. We could be full of joy and peace because you are our Father. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name.